dangerously close. This episode is brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. Now it's been brought to my attention that certain members of the wrestling community have got a problem with William Mitchell Audio and with my views of my own podcast. Well, I've got one thing to say and one thing to say only. Audio.com. My guest today is Naira Martin Reyes. Naira Martin Reyes, born in Tenerife, Island. Uh, did I say that right? Tenerife? Tenerife? Yeah, perfectly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But now, based in Ghent, Belgium, is a multifaceted artist, mainly focusing on painting and performance. Lately, she has been portraying the glory of the vulva walking the fine line between suggestive and erotic, reveling in vivid colors that betray a silky soft touch. Her work depicts an immediate and unapologetic insight into the representation and understanding of the female sex. She is shown at the Biennale of Painting of Belgium, at Beaux-Arts Arts Center in Brussels, at Vondel ICS in Amsterdam, and is currently showing at Spazio Maria Calderera, in Milan, Italy. And I just learned spazio means space in Italian. <laughs> uh, what's up, Naira? Hello, that was lovely to, to be here with you. Thanks for the invite. Thank you so much for being here. And I, uh, now I have to introduce our surprise guest, uh, Patrick. Patrick, I don't even know your last name, Patrick. Yeah, it's Patrick Ford, like uh, Henry. Patrick Ford from London, and the only information I was given to introduce you was uh, partner in crime. Uh, is that cool no, with you, or would, would you prefer no, no, to... No, no, that's good. I don't okay. need any more. I'm like the anonymous partner in this relationship. I just, uh, I just support and uh, help develop my risk project. Okay, so, yeah, everyone listening, uh, Patrick's more of a behind-the-scenes guy in this, uh, in this whole deal, but I do want to say thank you to both of you. I know it's a very busy week. So first of all, thanks for talking, uh, taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you've had a big show all week in Milan, and I was checking out some clips from the Italian national newspaper about your exhibit, uh, but I can't read Italian, so I don't know what they were saying, but it looks amazing. And there's some awesome photographs of you doing a live performance. So is this like a, a multimedia exhibit that's happening right now? Uh, yes. Um... 
Well, the exhibition, we are with uh, two artists. Um, we have a curator that is very involved and uh, the organizer is uh, Marco Flo. And the idea behind the show was to create uh, an experience by combining all our, our way of expression. I do painting and performance and the other artist has photography and the curator does also performance. So the curator together with me and with Patrick as well, we created this um, original performance uh, to realize in the day of the opening. So the people could really connect with the whole story uh, and the concept behind the exhibition, which is um, a, a rebirth, a reawakening uh, after well, after the pandemic, uh, for example, and it has to do with uh, with color, with uh, being a woman, and uh, being uh, yeah re reborn again through positivity. Hopefully, that's the idea. Awesome. Um, and like I said, I've I, I haven't seen video; I've just seen photographs. And of course, I'm a big fan of your art and your I mean, your paintings. That's why I mean that's why you're here. It's, that's how we be, we became acquainted in the first place. But I don't know anything about your performance stuff. So like, and from what I could tell from the photographs in the in the newspaper, it appears like you're in the gallery surrounded by your paintings and you're doing, is, I mean, and it's really hard to tell, uh, like just obviously from a still photograph, is it some kind of, Yeah. is it like a, I don't even know what to, what to guess. Like, is there a dance element? Well, um, formally speaking, um, we had on the floor a canvas that it was about, I don't know, uh, eight meters by 15 meters and uh, on it uh, it was the um, curator Francesca and she was kind of being a, a canvas as well she was fully painted in white and I was just playing myself the artist painting because I love painting with my hands and with my body and um, and through the medium of the paint that we chose a red color so the medium of the paint I was reawakening her we were going through um, through both connection, disconnection, uh, love and hate, uh, harmony and disharmony. But um, you really had to be. Uh, we also had a cellist playing live, improvising oh, cool. with us, which gave it this really intense feeling. But uh, since why I'm in a performance that lose totally lose track about um, maybe what I'm doing. But Patrick was there present, so maybe he can explain it better as to what it was to be there and see it. Yeah, uh, Naira's performances are always somewhat chaotic. Um, we plan them really carefully in the minutest detail, and then it all ends up with blood and hammers <laughs> and pig's heads and all manner of chaos. Uh, this one was a little more refined. So fundamentally, Naira was sort of uh, reawakening, rebirthing Francesca. She was painting a, a kind of a vulvaesque shape around her and then interacting with Francesca. And like she says, it was kind of sensual, but then aggressive. It had all the human feelings and aspects uh, to sort of create a reawakening of humanity, especially in this difficult time with COVID and now the problems in Ukraine, etc. So it was kind of a celebration of life, of being a woman. Yeah, it was uh, it was something to see. I was going to ask too because I'm in the photograph. You're clearly covered in red paint, and is um, I mean, I've, I it seems that would be the case, but is that representative of blood or or more than that? 
uh, it's not blood per se. Uh, I chose red. There were also pinks, but they didn't. They didn't. They weren't portrayed by the pictures um, because uh, it's this very uh, vital and symbolic color. And yeah, of course, as the connotations with red, uh, with pardon, with um, blood, but it's also the color of passion, of of uh, of anger, of love. Um, and and I like using um, elements that confront people. Uh, you know, the, the performances that I do, um, I rather them being divisive than being just ah, that was nice. Yeah. You know, there have been people who really enjoyed them. They did this last one, and some other people who left, other people who cried by the end. I also used gold paint to cover her. Oh, yeah. We, I guess I forgot to mention, but I, I know you did. Uh, you had an, another performer with you. Yeah. Uh, we were, in fact, we were three. Uh, Francesca. That was the main performance together with me. And at the end, the photographer, which is, she wasn't a performance, but we want her to be part of it. So at the end, she came in. It was very complicated, but for all of us, because it was full of paint and it was a bit slippery. So she, she came close to us with a backhead full of, uh, full of wine and poured it over our heads. Uh, and that was like the symbol of uh, the breaking of the water of women, but yeah. also, um, in, in religion, you know, you use the wine as this uh, symbolic uh, meaning. And, and I think having done that in a, such a religious country was a little bit um, risque. Oh, yeah. Italy, uh, home of the Vatican. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was actually uh, I had two questions that came into my mind just suddenly that I that I wasn't originally going to ask. Um, mm -hmm. But. One, this is just this just popped in my head. It just, I just got really curious, just thinking about because this is you know this is a large exhibit. All your paintings are there. Uh, you know you need multiple people there, and uh, you know I have a, like myself personally. I have a history as, as a musician, having to just pack into a van and go on a long trip with you know with all our equipment. And I was curious, like, is what the thing is for you, like, and Patrick? Do you do you guys just load up a van, like, with? I mean, do you? I just like does Patrick come from London, meet you in Belgium, you guys load a van and then you just drive to Italy? Is that how you guys, really? That's actually how you do it? No, no, we both live in Belgium together. We, uh, we've we lived in Belgium now for over 10 years. In, in okay. Um, but it depends on the on the quality of the organization. And I'm sure you know, Doug, with your music, sometimes you have a good, sh a good deal where people provide you with a backline, they provide you with transport. And then you have your more DIY shows where yeah, you have to launch get everything into the back of your car and and lug it yourself. And uh, this was a great show. Everything was very well organized. They transported all the paintings. They organized our accommodation. This was, for us, luxury because, yeah, we've also had the, the shows where we're sleeping on somebody's floor. We're having paintings, having to transport them ourselves. So it's... it's, it's uh, for this show, it was great. They did a wonderful job. They looked after us really well. Uh, took care of us and so yeah for this it just depends on you know we have paintings will travel you know we, yeah we're ready to go regardless of the, the situation it was it was funny it was just it was something that when i was looking at uh photographs of the exhibit it was something that i thought about but it didn't occur to me to ask but then i realized like i just had to know and just the curiosity got to me because i was thinking you know obviously you can't just be at the airport you can't just be like 
checking, <laughs> you know, 30 paintings onto the plane. And also they're fragile as well. You can't just go, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to check 30 fragile items onto the, <laughs> this airline and uh, expect them to not destroy. And you know, how, if you, I, it's one of my favorite things to do is watch the baggage, baggage handlers from the plane just throwing oh, people shit onto the conveyor belt. So I would be so, if I would... Yeah, if my if my paintings, if my life's work were <laughs> were uh, on the baggage carousel and they were throwing them, I, it would be it would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, for me, the packaging experience is sometimes you know almost as intense as creating the artworks because I have them there, you know, and it's like okay, now I have to protect you, you know, like this family that I have created where I have poured my soul and blood and beer everything I've ordered in there you know and then I'm packaging it with so much love and care because as you say you don't know how well or badly they're going to be treated what's the so uh, have, the, the largest painting you have to travel with right now the largest this time it was about it's about two meters and 150 and uh, before in other projects um, we've also made a uh, uh, statues let's call them like sort of obelisk and they were about also two two meters and a half by two meters made out of tiles in big wooden boxes that was more of a challenge so the paintings is like okay they're just paintings but the other uh, expedition was more of a challenge we never sorry doug i was going to say you know we never do it the easy way everybody else just has six paintings on a single wall and like for example this exhibition naira has i think there's over a hundred small canvases on the wall you know for her displays so while everybody else can put up their work in 20 minutes there we are with taking us two days to get every little canvas in the right place and as you said we also did monuments we built these two meter high monuments that weighed a half a ton each or something, you know, we, we really do it the wrong way. We should make life easier. <laughs> I love doing things the hard way. That's how you learn. Uh, right. Yeah. But I, I must ask like, and I mean, I, I don't know, you guys both seem like super chill people. You don't seem like you're going to be easily nerve wracked, but it seems like it must get a little bit nerve wracking to, you know, be traveling across, you know, the uh, borders of countries you probably had to, you know, cross several countries to get to your final destination with all of this. I mean, do you like stop to get gas and you're just completely like one of you has to guard the guard the <laughs> doors of the vehicle, make sure no one gets near it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Yep, no, no. Well, you, you've, you've pretty much got it in one there. You know, we are. Well, you know, this is why I'm in the in the uh, relationship i think you know i'm the i'm the security guy you know, that's probably my he's the bouncer <laughs> I'm the you know the english people how famously they are you know yeah. they're a bit thuggish yeah, yeah. <laughs> i have a, I, I have to develop my inner hooligan you know to uh to guard the paintings but yeah for sure but both of us have traveled a lot you know? i left england 25 years ago naira left uh, tenerife it must be now almost uh 20? 20, 20 years ago. So we're very used to traveling around, traveling light, sleeping where we can. You know, we are quite itinerant people. We're, we we embrace this kind of lunacy. This this is yeah. what makes it fun, right? You know, you have a choice. We don't have to be artists. If we want to, we can just sit on our couch and watch TV. But if you're going to embrace a passion, then you have to take the risks that come associated with it. So Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, 
It's true. Yeah. And it's, it's worth every minute of it. I just, I was just kind of just drawing from my own experiences, like, you know, pulling off the freeway at a truck stop and, you know, everyone has to go to the bathroom, but someone has to stand guard, you know, make sure the PA doesn't get taken out of the back of the van while all five of us can't go in. Like we got to take, you know, <laughs> take turns standing guard. <laughs> well, Doug, she's a lousy guard. Okay. She's a great guard. She's a, she's a lousy guard. All, all 55 kilos of her, you know. Oh, all right. Um, so I just want to say, I, you know, like I said earlier at the very beginning, I became a fan of your paintings just because, uh, you know, they're, they're visually stunning, uh, full of vibrant colors, and they just made me happy to look at. You know, that's that's my first impression of the painting. I just they made me happy and I like the way they look. Right. Uh, but of course, I understand there is more under the surface than just what the painting looks like to me at first glance. And that's why I want to ask uh what is the message you're trying to send to your audience through your art? And I guess to be more specific, let's just stick with the exhibit you're doing right now. Like, cause obviously I know you've been doing art for uh, many, many years and there's probably been other messages, but I'm just trying to, I guess, get to the, the audience that's been coming to your show in Milan. What, yeah. what are they supposed to, to come away, come away with? What is the message they're supposed to hear? Um, well, first of all, I am, thrilled that uh, when you look at my paintings you feel happy because um, that, 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 that is almost the main uh, goal for me because I create, started creating the, uh, the paintings that are now on show which are the, the summit or the selection of it all during the first lockdown. During the first lockdown I uh, re-encounter myself with painting after having done many other things for a couple of years, for a few years. And uh, I also uh, became much more acquainted with my womanhood. And I started discovering, discovering, discovering things. And almost all of them were very positive. And also I found the joy in painting, in painting really uh, much, which seemed much more my body. You know, I, no, don't use paintbrushes. I hate them. I, I paint with my hands, with my body. Each one of my paintings is the traces of a movement and, and it's the reflection of a particular uh, mind state and mood that I am on. And all of this uh, with, this, uh, with the woman, with woman at the center of it all. That's mm -hmm. why I'm using the, the vulva as, uh, as the repetitive image, as, as the obsessive, uh, you know, single vision that a uh, tunnel vision that I've used for this for this exhibit, but always this from a positive point of view, mm, from from a joyful point of view. I want to get rid of all the taboos, uh, and I will love for uh, the people, women that come and see the exhibit, exhibit that come out of it uh, feeling more liberated. Feeling, feeling empowered and feeling more comfortable with, with their own body. Cool. That's, uh, that's a great answer. And I was going to say, like, there's actually some things too that just came just into my, there's always so much synchronicity when I do these interviews. Like oftentimes it's like, it's, maybe it's because partly you're more aware of these things in society or what you're seeing that otherwise you might've overlooked. But I had noticed there uh, a tweet had come out from some like, there's in like here in America, there's a really very conservative backlash kind of recidivist 
culture happening toward women right now from a lot of politicians. And one of them had tweeted something like, uh, it was, it was, it was like really absurd, but it said something like, uh, what, what even is a vulva? Like basically they were trying to say that it's not even, that's not a real word. I mean, that that's, that's how insanely like recidivist these people actually are becoming right now to try and like erase language. So I just say all that to say that, you know, it's with your message. Like I totally get what you're saying. Like that's, it needs to be out here and in the forefront, especially in times like these with people doing the best they can to try and take culture back, you know, as, as many centuries as they can. Yes, to, to try to, to uh, push back all the advance, advancements that have been done thanks to uh, uh, all these feminist movements that have been taking place since the, well, since the suffragettes up to now. And, uh, and it is true that, they, um, for example, there are, are many, um, certainly a new upcoming party, Vox, that is very conservative. And it kind of seems to be reeling back all the advancements that have been done uh, to, to, to favor women uh, and the equality of women and men. And yeah, and we have to stand up and confront that. But in my opinion, to do that as a woman, you have to be feeling uh, proud of being one. And sometimes it's not easy because um, Precisely because you're a woman, you are not taken as seriously as a man, certainly in the arts. And yeah, I'm just trying to to put my little my little or as big as possible. Um, how do you say? It? To to I'm thinking now in Dutch and in Spanish, but the English words are not coming out very well. So I'm just I, trying to pull my weight as I, well I know, as I can. I know a little. Part. I know a little bit of Spanish. I I minored in Spanish, but it's been many years. Can you? Tell me the word. Oh, tell me the word and see if I can guess it. See if I can say it in English. All right, all right. So what I wanted to say is that um, yo quiero poner mi grano de arena. You want to put yourself in the arena? I want to put. <laughs> 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 no, it, it's a Spanish expression that translates as "I want to put my grain of sand." Meaning that I want to do as as much as I can, but it's gonna be a grain of sand in the big big scheme of things. Okay, I got I got put I got poner. <laughs> you did, dude. Uh, you get a medal. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Um, so I know that I just asked you this. You know, the the way I asked it a moment ago was kind of more on like what you were just saying on a grand scale. That was kind of like more of the overarching way that uh, we're talking about this, this entire exhibit. But I'm just curious if maybe. Uh, when it comes to how your art conveys this message, let's say like, just like uh, hypothetically, let's just say to to one person, like let's just say that like Patrick is just a patron of the museum. He, like he's just there to view it and you have a piece of art there. Like, do you have like one piece of art that you could pick out and you can explain in what way that piece of art conveys that message to uh, a member of your audience? Um, so I will pick one of the, the bigger paintings that I'm showing. Uh, and I'll say that, first of all, by representing the vulva, I'm just uh, claiming the representation of it. Um, and outside of the two normal representations uh, that we have in society, that is either uh, pornographically or anatomically. It's mm -hmm. more a feeling. It's more an impression. Um, also, when I, the way I paint it, I try to, uh, I, I find like a state of mind that is uh, exaltated, let's say, 
so that when I paint it, I'm not looking for perfection or for the representation of, of an anatomy, but it's more a feeling of freedom in the painting itself. Also in the choice of color. I choose very vivid colors because each one of them uh, elicit a feeling from the spectator and I choose very bright colors and natural in a way. Um, yeah, to, to open a little door or a big door, I hope, in the mind of the, of the viewer. Yeah, honestly, just now you totally brought something into my mind that I had never even, it never even crossed my mind until you just said it out loud to me when you were saying that the depictions, like specifically like of like sex organs in general, but you know, like mm -hmm. just, but you were saying that it's either it's pornographic or it's like medical anatomical. Yeah. That's, yeah. that is what we're, that's the mainstream of society of how to portray this, which is insane. And these are just, body parts we all have them we all need to understand them this is like it's yeah. not like there shouldn't be like a oh what are we gonna it's that puritanical this is dirty so therefore it's pornographic or this is strictly you know for your gynecologist to look at <laughs> yes exactly there is life in between those two extremes you know and it's beautiful i think uh, i was gonna say i think the problem that we are encountering in the current time is that this puritanical aspect is coming from both the left and the right. You know, it, it doesn't appear that anybody is viewing the bigger picture. It seems to be everyone's following their own specific agendas, and the victim of this is women. And the the the, the ability to to say I'm a woman and just a woman, and just to be able to, to proudly state it and have no shame in who you are or your, or your, your sexual organs or your identity. I, I think it's something that Naira's really focused on in her work. It's just, it's, it's so simple, yet in this modern day, it seems to be almost confrontational in just saying, well, I'm a woman, and I'm just depicting what it is to be a woman. And yeah. And, you know, it, it pains me to say this, because I am... A, I'm not criticizing uh, these these guys because, but I do have to bring up uh, a group of men who have created something that I thought has been one of the most hilarious and fun things in the world to me, and that's uh, Jackass. Uh, mm. But but as a society as whole, so I just I just went and saw their latest movie, and basically, you know, the guys in Jackass, and they've always been able to do it in every movie. They pull their dicks out all the time, and they do, and they typically just do something funny with it, you know. But like, okay. <laughs> but the point is. I mean, maybe here and there, there's some like very, very uh, easily offended people that are like, how dare they show their penises? But overall, everyone's fine with it. They're like, they're the, you know, the, I just feel like there's such a double standard. And if you were a woman and you had a, a jack, you know, a jackass crew, and but it was all, all women yeah. and you yeah. were all, you know, pulling out your vaginas to do jokes. It would be attacked by It would be everyone. fantastic. <laughs> it would be fantastic. Patrick, we have to organize this. We have to do it. It yeah. would be hilarious. Hilarious. And it will be in the face of everyone that pretends to be progressive, but in fact isn't. Yeah, I, I think, uh, again, it's uh, these are battles that were being fought 60 or 70 years ago. And yeah. yet, here we go again. Here we are in 2022. You know, Jermaine Greer was fighting these battles in the 1960s. And here we are in 2022 fighting the same battle. But this time, it doesn't seem that there's much support from from any side. This is what I think is the big difference now, is that 
both sides have gone along this puritanical uh, agenda, and it, it doesn't seem, even though people are suggesting that they are supportive, when it comes to the crunch, I don't see it. I don't see the support. I am immediately <laughs> suspicious of anyone that criticizes art for for being dangerous. That's <laughs> you. Anyone that uh, criticizes art as and says that it's a danger to society, that person automatically, to me, becomes a clear represent. You know, uh, suspect of being a danger to society. I'll just go ahead and say, yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more because actually, art to me is the last bastion where one can truly be free. I mean, yeah, if you absolutely. cannot free in what you think and what you do and what you say in art. There is no other space in society where you can be that free. That's why I'm in. I'm in there. And, and also, I think all great art has had an element of danger somewhere. Be it mm. painting, be it music, be it film, be it uh, you know, music, especially. I mean, I think all the great musicians, the great performers. It's not called rock and roll for nothing, right? I mean, there should be an element of danger when you go to see a show. You don't want to know exactly what's going to happen. You don't want to see everything choreographed and safe and asinine. You, you want to have that sense, that, that kind of kinetic sense that something could happen unusual, something could happen that challenges you, something that happens that is, yeah, that is dangerous, I think. And in our own little way with the performances especially, you know, we try to bring this aspect of the mm -hmm. uncertain to our performances. When, when Naira's... I say we prepare everything, but we always leave it open. There's always another 30 or 40% left open to, well, you react, you respond to how people respond to you. And that is where the magic happens, when, uh, it's un whether it's uncomfortable, whether it's comedic. I mean, sometimes it can be just flat out funny, but there's always this yeah. element of possible and, danger. And speaking of that, what, what you just said about, too, about it being uh, comedic or just flat out funny, um, I do want to bring it back to just a couple minutes ago because I saw when, when I mentioned the thing about Jackass and also Johnny Knoxville, Chris Pontius, Steve-O, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not calling you out. I love you guys. But what I am saying is that uh, when I when I mentioned the, the double standard, I definitely saw like a spark in Naira's eyes. And then I saw um, it, it was I saw it in your eyes a little bit, too, Patrick, that cool. maybe there was an idea. Maybe there's a, something that could like a project, some kind of art project that could be done that could be uh being like you know just exposing the double standard maybe doing something that's like almost inspired by jackass which i i don't know if, if you guys took that you know i just i just saw the spark of inspiration in your eyes for a moment it probably was fleeting and not something very serious but i do want to offer my services <laughs> consultant if you guys ever decide ah. to do that i'd love to be a part that sounds like a plan, man. Yeah, any collaboration, we, we love to collaborate. You know, that's, that's something that is so rare. People are so selfish in that, you know, they want the glory for themselves. But we've, we've collaborated with many different artists, many different, whether, again, musicians, theatrical Architects. Art, yeah, for sure. You video know. makers, photographers. I mean, the more the merrier and, and the more uh, the creative juices flow from different experiences, the the more um, the more people the artwork will reach because then you have all these experiences together, and it will yeah. speak to more more people. I mean, with what I what I do with what we do, we always wanted to make 
accessible to everyone. We want everyone to feel something when they when they see what what we make and and to um, understand to understand them each their to their own level. But going back to to, to, to the humor, um, when when you don't take yourself too seriously and also put humor in in your work that makes it immediately more more open and that's something that we embrace um i agree obviously i agree with both of your statements humor is my number one theme of my life uh i guess you know for me it's it's uh you know I, th I think that life should be fun and i think that life should be funny but i want to go back just a little bit further to the statement you made before that and that is you know that community is key and when you're saying like the more the merrier, especially when it comes to art, you know, the more people that are involved and the more of us that are connected and together, you know, the harder it is for the forces of, you know, grimness and yeah, and <laughs> yeah, the harder it is for, you know, for Voldemort to, you know, destroy <laughs> our art or what, you know, or Darth Vader, I don't know, whatever uh fantasy character works best for whoever's listening hold up it's time for an ad are you tired of covid tests being so boring <sighs> well then i've got exciting news for you that's right the new my views are my own celebrity voice at home covid tests half the time I fall asleep waiting for the COVID test to even show me the little pink line. Well, those days are over because my views are my own celebrity voice at home COVID tests are here. Enjoy some of your favorite celebrities telling you whether or not you've tested positive for coronavirus, like Mark Wahlberg. Hey, what the fuck you think you're doing? I'm the one that tells you if you have COVID or not. You do not have COVID. Ma, this guy does not have COVID. What the fuck did I tell you? He doesn't have COVID. Or Tucker Carlson. Hello, America. Before, you didn't have COVID. Now, you do. What happened? Or even hometown hero, the Bard of Syracuse, Post Malone. You were feeling that bad, so you took a test. Here's your results, you were negative. Ooh, maybe it's just the flu. Ooh, it's not COVID. Yeah. Thousands of celebrity voice options available. At-home COVID tests will never be boring again. Available only at myviewsaremyown.com. And now back to the interview. Yes. Uh, why did you choose the theme of fruit in some of your art? Well, I grew up in a subtropical island, right? Tenerife. And there, um, fruit grows everywhere uh, wildly. We have papayas, mangoes, avocados, bananas everywhere, uh, you name it, we got it there. And um, the name of many of these fruits are used to refer to the female sex, papaya, uh, fig as well, and many others. 
So um, coming from a place where that is being used so much, um, I wanted to reclaim it. I wanted to take it and to own it. And even though it has some pejorative uh, connotations when uh, fruit names are used to refer to, refer to the vulva, um, I wanted to turn it into to its positive. And I use uh, fruits as an inspiration because of its color, because of uh, their texture, and because they are really damn delicious to eat. Yeah. And they were the, <laughs> the first inspiration to, um, to create this whole series. Okay, cool. And uh, all right, well, that's, I mean, that's the perfect answer. I, could, I couldn't, I really don't have anything else to go into on that one. But I did want to ask you, because uh, you were just talking about, you know, growing up uh, in, uh, I'm going to try and say it correctly, Tenerife? Perfecto. Uh, and that's in the Canary Islands? Yeah. Um, and I guess it's a kind of a two-part question. It's going to be like, uh, I was going to ask, you know, if you could just tell me a little bit what it was like growing up in a place like the Canary Islands. I mean, especially just, you know, an island, you know, it sounds a little bit tropical and mm -hmm. maybe some stories from that part of your life that you think influenced your art. All right. So let's start from the beginning. Um, I was born out of a volcano uh, in the <laughs> middle of the island of Tenerife. Well, in the middle of the island, we have this huge uh, volcano called El Teide. Okay. And it's the highest uh, peak of the whole Spain with almost 4,000 kilometers high. And uh, growing around it is it's amazing. It's uh, an experience that uh, has made me really appreciate nature. So I don't remember when was the last time that I was in the beach or in contact with the sea because it was since I was born, I was in the beach being completely salted and, you know, covering sand. Um, the mountains are filled with uh, very deep forests uh, where you were, you know, there are little um, water dripping from the leaves because it's very damp. Um, and then you have another area of the island where it's completely desertic the south part of the island, uh, full of rocks and, and lizards and hardly any vegetation and where it's hot, like 30 degrees throughout the whole year. You have this really incredible contrast from the greenness of the north, the dryness of the south. I don't want to I don't want to interrupt you, but just because most of my listeners are uh, in America. Um, right. So where is you're, the you're saying on, on, the, on the deserted side of the island. And you said it's 30 right. degrees. Like, what? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, can't... I give you a. Yeah, where is that? Is is that that's, that's really hot, I guess. <laughs> okay, yeah. We're in centigrade. You're looking for Fahrenheit. Is, uh... Oh, yeah, 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 true. And I, I just, uh, I, in, my, in so, my, my head, I can't easily uh, convert those because I just okay. never, ever use centigrade. So, okay. uh, 30 degrees is like when you have to wear flip flops, shorts, and a small vest, and you're still hot. Yeah, okay. So Can you imagine blazing, blazing hot. You're cooking. Okay. Yeah. And also to Sorry, sorry. It's it's around 86, 87 Fahrenheit if that okay. makes it easier for you. Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah. Actually, that's like that's my favorite kind of weather right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a paradise, you know. And just to to help uh, the listeners uh, in America situate um, my island 
Tenerife or the Canary Islands in general. Um, so if you picture, you picture Europe, Europe, Spain, and Africa. So in Africa, uh, the Morocco, it's actually opposite Morocco where they are. So geographically speaking, even the, though the Canary Islands belong to Spain, I am more African than Spanish. Okay. So anyone that doesn't quite uh, remember their geography, this is further south than Morocco and obviously yeah. much closer to Africa than to Spain. <laughs> yes, only, yes, yes, yes. It's only 60 kilometers from Morocco. So if you think about being on the uh, west side of Morocco, it's just 60 kilometers west and then you come across the Canary Islands. You know, they were a conquest. It's not, it's not geographically Spanish. It's only because of the, the conquistadors of five, 600 years ago that the islands are Spanish. It's, it's interesting that, that, it, that, it would stay, uh, that it would stay a Spanish uh, or that it would stay part of Spain. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, we're, you know, for the most part, most places that have been colonized by European countries for some way, you know, they might still, they might even still have the queen on their money, but they, they're not part of Britain or, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, sure. They're not part, they're not part of France. But I think a lot, of, a lot of this is the fact that the islands were inhabited by a race that no longer exists. The original inhabitants of Tenerife were the Wanche people. And so they're not uh, Moroccan people, it's not Tunisian people, it's a race that no, there is no one to claim the islands back, you know. Uh, some countries wish to, I think Morocco has at times shown interest in claiming the islands, but they don't really have a, a historical sort of right to them because they never owned them. Before it belonged to Spain, it belonged to a, an indigenous group like the Aboriginals in Australia or the Native Americans in Okay. In, America, in North America, so and they're all gone. They're, and they're all yeah. gone. Yeah, that's that's a, a big problem because when the of course a big problem, but when the the Spanish conquered the islands, they they destroyed completely the identity uh, that we could have still nowadays because they destroyed all all documents, they destroyed all um most of the ceramics they existed most of the of the traces that the civilizations left behind even like the guanches before the spanish got there they mummified their people like the egyptians yeah so this is this is a a true genocide yes. another one yeah another one yes it was so having no identity or as a strong identity of as as as, as a country the people of the canary islands even though there were movements or they have a movement of independence, they, it never gained traction. You know, it's if we are not Spanish, what are we going to be on our yeah. own? And that's kind of scary. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, you know, I, I've no, I know nothing at all about the Canary Islands other than that they exist. So this has all been actually pretty, well, something. pretty, I'm after this, I'm going to take some time to do some research and learn a lot about, a lot about that. Cause I was completely unaware of, of all of those factors. I just, you know, I, I didn't, well, I, I'll tell you the, the, the complete length of my ignorance of this uh, place is I didn't know the Canary Islands were part of Spain. Didn't even know that. <laughs> well, well, you know, it's, it's not just you, Doug. Before I mm -hmm. met Naira, all I knew of the Canary Islands is it's where the, the worst of the English went on holiday. You know, the, 
Okay. These, guys, <laughs> these guys with the with the big bellies and the tattoos and they just sit in the sun and turn lobster red uh, and fight and drink and you know yeah. you know you know what they're like. Oh yeah, and, uh, uh, <laughs> kind of like our uh, our Panama City Beach down here in Florida. You got but, it. But no yeah. doubt, shout out Panama, Panama City Beach. I've had <laughs> so much fucking fun in Panama City Beach. But it's exactly what you're saying, though. It's some of the worst <laughs> of the worst of Americans are going to descend upon that that place. That's exactly <laughs> what turn into lobsters. That's exactly. Get drunk, Definitely. get into fights. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know, I've had a great time there a, a bunch of times. Um, kind of like a a big move, and I guess you both made a big move. I. And that's you both cho- chose to move to Belgium, a place called Ghent in Belgium, which I'm not familiar with. Uh, what was the allure of Belgium for for both of you? Oh, you uh, was Patrick the the allure? Yeah, well, <laughs> I was I was actually living in Tenerife with Naira, uh, and to be honest, it was desperation that that pushed us out of Tenerife because. Uh, I wasn't making a living. Naira wasn't becoming the artist she wanted to be. Yeah, excuse me one second. The Italian uh, carabiniere are chasing somebody. But uh, <laughs> I heard that uh, they, they have uh, such a un- such they have such a uh, just unique and identifiable siren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and so we 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 simply decided we had to go. It wasn't some, we didn't plan it. We didn't have some mm-hmm. life plan or career choices. And we were in fact heading for Amsterdam. We were going to go and live in Amsterdam. That was our plan. But uh, I had some friends living in Belgium who let us stay with them for a few weeks while we sorted our shit out. And uh, one of them took us to Ghent. And it's not surprising you haven't heard of it, uh, Doug, because it's really a, a little uh, a best kept secret. It's a medieval city, but it doesn't feel like a city. It feels like a village. It has the most beautiful architecture, good people, wonderful nature. It's just a little gem, you know? I feel even a little bit guilty telling you about it because now... (laughs) Don't tell it to everyone. All your listeners are going to... They won't come and live there. You will be descended upon by the listeners of My Views of My Own podcast. (laughs) That's uh, that's... And, And on top of that, it is a great spot for culture. They really, really, really um, support lots of uh, small communities and neighborhood initiatives. It's really multicultural. There is also a contemporary art museum, a historical art museum, design museum. It, it, it has an incredible life. There are art schools, uh, art, um, universities, a lot of international students come every year. It's really a city that is alive. And it's a great place to to live in as as the base to to move to to Europe and to other to other parts of Europe and to America next. We are warning you though, they're coming. Oh, that was my next um, question. You blew my next question. <laughs> oh damn, sorry. It's okay. No, that was a well shit. Let's just let's just launch into that question because that was the next thing I was gonna ask you. Do you have any plans to tour in America? I, I guess you just said yeah, but uh, any like anything really on the table, like any cities you're actually considering? Well, we have some ideas, but we haven't have had anything set on stone yet. So we are uh, we are considering our options. 
All right. Well, I highly suggest Nashville because that's where I'm at. Well, <laughs> you have I'm an open sure... invitation to Ghent as well, Doug. You have an open invitation to Ghent. Oh, well, thank you very much. And I'm, I'm almost certain that you guys probably think of Nashville as like, because most people do, especially if you live in Europe and you've never been here, like you think of it as the country music place of uh, America. Mm-hmm. It's really much more than that. And the music scene is much bigger than that. And the art scene is huge. And then we have, we have tons and tons of art galleries. We've got art uh, collectives, uh, really great art shows come here all the time. Lots of pop-ups, lots of uh, tons of uh, performance art. All, you know, I think a lot of stuff you guys would dig. So I wouldn't, if I were you, I wouldn't just maybe dismiss Nashville from the map. If you were, you know, if you're thinking like, well, New York, Los Angeles, you know, there's, yeah, there are classics. other, there are, you know, like you were saying, you know, Ghent is a, a hidden treasure in uh, in Europe and Belgium. There's America is full of places like that than that I would highly suggest. So, and I we love these kind of places as well. You know, mm-hmm. the big cities are great: Paris, London, Berlin. But it becomes uh, incredibly competitive, uh, and people are far more selfish in these cities. It's it's where the real uh, egomaniacs go you know and yeah as, as naira mentioned earlier we love to share the work with as many people as possible we're not looking for just an art public we love the, the, the uh, we want everyone to just be able to come in enjoy feel get a sensation of something and if that happens then we're happy you know we're not here to to be massively conceptual or, or profound it's to bring some joy some light some life to people and so when we go to a smaller town or, or not maybe not smaller but lesser known we often find that we form a much better uh, relationship with the people uh, and with the yeah the, the city itself than if we go to the big cities like Milan is is fantastic but right now it's Milan art week so it's everybody is art 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 you know and you yeah. can't live on art alone you know you yeah. have to have yeah. a wider perspective in life Art is everything to us, but it's not the only thing, you know. And also, we we we've always been outsiders, you know. I think since since I was uh, since I was uh, in, in Tenerife, and I and I, uh, I the only thing clear to me has always been that I was going that I was doing art, and that that's what I would be doing forever because it's the best thing I'm at, and I cannot help but create constantly. And all the time, annoyingly sometimes. So when you are um, an outsider, uh, it feels better to be um, where authenticity is. Yeah, and yeah. that is not usually in the big capitals and where the egomaniacs are. But with people who truly follow their passion, their heart, that makes mistakes and learns from them. But you know, you just you just keep on going, trying to. Um, uh, share as much positivity as possible and energy and inspire those around you. I'm, I'm honored if I, if I inspire people around me. Yeah. And, and I want to say to you, like, uh, of course, you guys would be, uh, you know, warmly received on the East Coast, the West Coast. But what about maybe, and I, I, this is the last time I'm going to shout out the, uh, the American South, but, you know, you could do a tour, like you could come, you could fly into Kentucky and just go Louisville, Nashville, Atlanta, New Orleans, and you might end up having 
much more of an American experience you might have expected because you were in a you know because you weren't yeah, just in on, the in authentic a parts city which because you, you you've already been to a million big cities Europe's full of you know London is sure. probably yeah. so similar yeah. to New York I don't, I don't I can't say that for a fact that I haven't been to London but I've been to New York plenty of times to to be like I'm sure you've seen it <laughs> Doug, Doug you have to make this happen right we accept your <laughs> offer now, you, now, now you've got to make it happen you find us somewhere or maybe one of your listeners can find us somewhere to display you know like I say we have paintings we'll travel you know we, we are we never we never count out anything we're not looking to only display in the Louvre and you know the Prado we're if the people are there and they want to see it and they have a taste for it then we're up for it no yeah. uh we, We'll, we'll stay in touch on this topic. Uh, I've got, you know, I have a, a lot of connections. A lot of my friends are artists. And I mean, I could absolutely Fantastic. certainly help you guys, at least at the very least, uh, help you decide the tour you want to make happen. You know, it, I, I'm feeling already so. like some kind of rock stars talking about tours and locations, <laughs> you know, it feels fantastic. But it's well, always I, uh, been a dream of ours, you know. Yeah, this actually yeah. uh, totally just segues perfectly into this other thing I did want to ask too, because we were just talking about having uh, great experiences, you know, in the future tense when you do your uh, the Southern United States tour uh, in some of the cities I mentioned and some of the cities I didn't mention. There's a lot of great places I did not mention. Those are just that's just a line that I might follow because those are all cities that I'm very familiar with. But I did want to ask, like, uh, what are some of like the just like best experiences you've had? touring your art in Europe? Um, to me, the, 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 the most intense experience uh, was actually in Amsterdam. Was uh, presenting a, uh, a performance with, with, uh, with, with pig's heads. And, and uh, it, well, there was a, 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 the performance had its, performance had its structure um but i wasn't really sure we weren't really sure if that was going to be the right place for it because we again we were invited we live in belgium we were invited by this um guy organizing a uh, surrealist uh, festival of poetry uh, and music and so uh, we went and uh, when i went in and i saw all these these people dressed up kind of not not just drag queen but i mean people with a tv on their head with a wetsuit on, a wheelchair, and I thought, okay, this is the place to be. And I totally let myself go, and I found myself in, on stage, topless, with a big mask on, smashing with a hammer, uh, a pig head. And, <laughs> and I kind of totally lost it. I know some people on the, on the, on the public were having a little scream, running around and leaving. And I remember seeing Patrick from, from afar, looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Again, you know, I spent weeks carefully choreographing and arranging and like, okay, the music does this and you do this at this part of the music and then you change here. And then I'm just looking at this lunatic with covered in red paint, <laughs> smacking a pig's head with a hammer. And it's like, this isn't what we agreed on, you know? Yeah. But of course, that's the magic. That's the danger. That's the, that's the moment that, that, that you live for, you know? That's... Yeah. Uh, because the no, no way you could have predicted you know especially all, after all that all that careful planning that the next thing that would happen is you would take you would take a look up and it would just be a scene of the apocalypse 
in Indeed. chaos. <laughs> yeah. It, it, this is what happens when you're with a canary woman. You know, this is <laughs> the Tenerifians are like this, you know, they they, uh, they don't they don't really like to follow regulations and, and structures and and and, and uh, narratives, you know, they're uh, yeah, they're they're wild, you know, they're wild. Once once again, you have really inspired me to like I'm I'm I want to start learning a lot of the history of the Canary Islands. I'm gonna get a book yeah, on. You have it. to go. You have to podcast. go. You know, because when but, I first went there, I felt like you, Doug. I thought, what is this place? You know, it's a a place for English tourists. And then you dig deeper, and it's just mm-hmm. the history is just fan- is, is fascinating. The yeah. nature is stunning, breathtaking nature, and the people have a a unique character. You know, they're they're not Spanish. It's not like going to Madrid or to Valencia. It's a unique and- taste. And also historically, uh, all uh, discoverers that went to America had to stop in the Canary Islands. Cristobal Colón stopped in the Canary Islands. All the adventurers Columbus. who went to America, Columbus, Cristobal Colón in Spanish, uh, they they all stopped there. So it had they have been on the map for since the the maps were conceived in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's awesome. All right, guys, now I got to tell you something. And that's this. We are getting dangerously close to the lightning round. Uh, oh my God. I don't know if you guys are familiar with how the lightning round works, but it's how we end every interview. I ask you questions super fast. And the entire point of this is for you to not think. Gut reaction answers only. Uh, just, you know, it's not cerebral. It's all just what you feel that the answer is. Um, I was just going to say, like, how about I just like, we both answer or? Well, I was thinking like, because uh, uh, I want you both to answer these questions. Okay. So how about, how about you both just, just give your individual answer? Also, okay. Uh, okay. some of them. Uh, no problem, Doug. There's no taboos here. You just, okay. You okay. Just hit well, us. Hit only, us. Only, only one of them has a, an answer that I have an opinion on. <laughs> okay. okay. And the rest are just, so we'll just we'll just start up uh, and then we'll, we'll start with that question just to make it easy, get it out of the way, and then we can oh. go into the more uh completely what your opinion is. But okay. the first one is both of you living in Belgium now, you must be familiar. The greatest actor to ever come from Belgium, and I will give you a hint, his nickname is the muscles from Brussels. Fandana. Probably one of the most influential individuals uh, in my like formative years of my life. <laughs> All I did was watch John Claude Van Damme movies and want to be him for like fully until I was like almost a teenager. So. But that makes total sense. I think I, he was the first one that I had unknowingly a crush on. Like an oh, actor yeah? is like, I That's just wanted confession. to look at Phil. Yeah, I know. You never told me this. What do you? So now I know why we came to Belgium, just so you could be closer to, <laughs> so, to Jean-Claude. I mean, and what's your favorite film, Doug? What's your favorite? Favorite, uh, well, I mean, I'm, obviously I'm tempted, to say, I'm tempted to say Bloodsport, but I'm going to have to go with maybe Double Impact. Ah. Great, great. Uh, for people at home that if you haven't seen Double Impact, that is the movie where John Claude Van Damme plays two characters. He plays twin brothers, and it's actually seamlessly well done for the time period the film was done in. And he's like one brother is like from Los Angeles, and he's very like uh, not a fighter, just you know 
loves uh, the, fan, the the nicer things in life. The other brother grew up in like the mean streets of like Hong Kong home. You know, they were separated at birth, uh, but they have to band together to find the murderers of their parents. It's a beautiful film. <laughs> it sounds great. It's one of those classic canon 80s films, I guess. You know, one of those uh, that really capturing that golden Jean-Claude era. Yeah, yeah, but, but he's yeah, a legend well, in Belgium too, you know. He's he's a uh, yeah, he's gotta be. I mean, he made he did make that movie JCBD that was shot in Belgium that was kind of like uh, yeah. self-deprecating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but of course, for most people, Bloodsport. If if you're not, if you've never watched a John Claude Van Damme movie, start with Bloodsport. It is his magnum opus. It is. It is legendary. All right. Uh, this is uh, I guess just take turns answering it. What is your favorite fruit that resembles a vulva? Papaya. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll go for a fig. Fig? Yeah. What, what, a fig? Yeah. And yes. You have figs in America or do you uh, have a name for them? I don't think I've really, like, when I think of a fig, I think I've only seen dried figs. I don't think I've ever no. like, really yeah. had a real fig. I think I've no? like, only had, like, the raisin version. That's why it doesn't stand out to oh, me. Oh, oh no. Oh, You've got to try um, a fresh one. Um, I mean, I'm oh sure I could God, obtain really? one. I, it's, I mean, I... I'm sure, like, if I went to Whole Foods, I could find it. I just. <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm thinking maybe I have a. Yeah, do you have an image then? Yes, yeah. I have a picture here. Oh, yep, that's a vulva. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, this, this next question, this is, I feel like this is pretty commonly true, but I want, I want to know what, what you think. Is it fair to say that more fruits look like vulvas and more vegetables look like penises? I think that's a fair comment. I would say yes. Yeah, I'd say you have stumbled across or maybe, you know, finally uh, thought out a, a very apposite uh, fact there, Doug. Yes, I think so. I mean, I'm sure that philosophically we could dive deeper into that and be like... Oh, we should. We should one day. <laughs> hours, hours. <I> mean, <laughs> these are the kind of things that I will sit and dwell on. You know, like, you know, just be like, why... You know, especially if I've done something like microdosed and I'm on a little bit different of a level <laughs> of thought, I'm like, well, you know, I think that God wanted us to think that vegetables were more like penises, but fruits were more like vulvas. Anyway, moving forward, I do want to say <laughs> this, right. this is an you important carry thing on, to Doug. bring up. <laughs> uh, I just want to point out to anyone that wants to bring up that bananas are typically considered phallic. Uh, you, Naira, actually have a piece called Banana Slit that yeah. completely dispels that notion. Uh, yes. Was that your intention? Yes. Uh, well, uh, it, it, was too, it was kind of twofold. First of all, um, I, I'd made several paintings inspired in a banana, and one of them, with one of them, I took a self-portrait using the painting, put in the painting where my vulva is, so to, to play this double game of, uh, if mine is a fruit, this one is also a fruit, female, male, yeah, the classic. But uh, on the other hand, when I was painting uh, the, the banana, uh, it, 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 I don't know, it just, it just looked like a slit. It looked like, like a vulva. And I thought, well, there you go. The, therein goes as well the fluidity of gender of, that nowadays is, is everywhere. You know, you have to break down the, the stereotypes and, and just be natural. 
Um, yeah, I just want to say too, like it just I just thought it was so cool because uh, I was it came to my mind while I was writing the the vegetable fruit question is that you mm-hmm. totally took the one you know universally penis fruit and completely changed it and yeah and also you have the, so. oh, oh thank you oh my god i think that's the, um, the, the trophy but i wanted to say of course it's also a play in words on the banana uh banana split ice yeah. cream one of right? my favorite banana food groups <laughs> and on top of all that the banana in the canary islands it's a a uh Cultivo in Spanish, it, there is an incredible amount, uh, an, an incredible extension of the Canary Islands it's used to cultivate bananas. Oh, cool. So it's yeah. again going back to my origins. Yeah. Um, now, this is a completely hypothetical question. Oh, by the way, you guys are killing it at the lightning round. It's, we're actually we're actually keeping it lightning. Sometimes this doesn't like sometimes we just get mired in the mud when I'm trying to do a lightning round and can't get past the first really? question. So we're killing. Yeah, we're actually doing it the right way. Uh, completely hypothetical question. Uh, an artistic medium that you haven't used yet. Is there anyone uh, that you are considering uh, doing something with in the future? Food. Food. Hell yeah. yes. Hell yeah. I think I think it kind of it makes sense to to do something with food. Maybe also a performance, or I mean, I have used already um, the coloring of some natural color of, of fruits and vegetables to paint, uh, spices like saffron, a few saffron mixed with medium to paint, and also uh, beetroot juice that is very, very red, and I've painted with it. So I'm kind of finding my way towards it. Yeah, and, and there's, like, there's actually, there's so many ways you can use uh, food in an, like, uh, shout out to Zach Wilkinson on this, he's been on this podcast, I gave, he had his own episode that he was on, he came on and did a movie review and he has co-hosted both Halloween spooktaculars that we've done, but he's, his actual profession is chef and right. he makes, he's cooked for like Arnold Schwarzenegger and like, you know, he's people, people love his food, but he does have a, a very unique gift for just taking food and putting yeah. it on a plate in such a way that you don't want to eat it because you don't want to disturb the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the presentation. Because it looks so beautiful. Uh, oh, great, great. Well, actually, that's a good segue to the uh, the next question for you guys, because I just shouted out uh, Zach and I was going to ask you guys uh, if you have any shout outs you want to give, like especially like, you know, because right now you're in Milan, you're doing the show. Anybody want to like shout out there or just anyone at all in particular that's along the way of this journey? Patrick, what do you think? Well, Francesca, especially. Uh, I, my, my Italian is not so good either, uh, Doug. So, uh, yeah. What's her surname, Naira? You can say her, Francesca Interlinghi, she's, the, she's been our curator here and we've worked with so many sort of careless uh, uh, curators that to have one who actually understood us, who embraced the madness and didn't try and tame us or calm us or tell us we couldn't do something. In fact, she often tried to, if we tried to go crazy, she kind of out crazied us and that is so refreshing to have someone to do that. Absolutely. Uh, Marco, the, the, the guy who put it all together, Marco Flo, uh, he's a very special gentleman, really uh, your typical Italian, uh, full of character, full of life, really has shown us the good life here in Milan. Uh, but there's a lot of people, you know, this has been a, a long journey. 
it's it's gone up and down. We've had goods and bads, like every creative person. But yeah, to 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 single out just a few people would be impossible. Uh, oh yeah, of course. What, of course. We, what we can, what we can say is that everybody who knows who's helped us, they know they've helped us because the relationships we've formed with the people are not something that's just come and gone. You know, the mm -hmm. the people we we were doing exhibitions with. 10, 12 years ago, they're still our closest friends. You know, it's not, you can see how people work as artists. You know, some people, they come along and they're your, they're your best friend <clears throat> for a week. And then when your show is out of town, you never hear from them again. And, you know, you get this, this sort of uh, transitory feeling. But those who stick around, they're around forever. So they know who they are. They know who they are. Naira, is there anyone you'd like to, uh, anyone else who I missed? Someone special? Um, no, uh, for here from Milan, indeed, Marco Flo, who uh, we got in contact uh, actually via via Instagram. So uh, this this lockdown, even though well, it it has been horrible, but it has made everyone more uh, for everyone easier to move on into um, the online media to, to look for new people, to look for new relationships. And, 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 and thanks to that, we are here in Milan. So Marco Flo, Francesca, Deborah, the other artist, uh, it was also very interested in collaborating with her. And uh, the, the media from the Canary Islands, there are a few journalists that have been supporting me for years. And it's very important, not only to do the art but, and show it, but also to, for journalists to bring it to the people because then it's like, it has really happened, you know? And, and also to you, uh, though, because it's, it's awesome to have been able to come uh, to your podcast and have such an enjoyable conversation. Yeah. I have found really inspiring talking with you uh, about Nashville and about, uh, you know, the jackass uh, equivalent <laughs> with the uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And, but uh, before you guys go, there is one last question. It's the very, it's such an important question. You can't go without answering it because people need to know uh, where can they find you, check out your art, uh, uh, your website, uh, possible, you know, like just ways to follow you and maybe get a chance to see your uh, art in person someday. Yes, of course. Um, well, my website, my Instagram, my Facebook, it's all my complete name. And my complete name, my full name are three words. First one is Naira Martin Reyes. And if you Google that, you'll find my website is www.nairamartinreyes.com. And my Instagram is also Naira Martin Reyes. There I am very active and I post a lot of personal content, but as well, uh, lots of art. Uh, you'll see all the process that I go through, all the beers I drink. And um, yeah, so please find me there. I follow back. I, I have a great um, online community with whom sometimes I've done different projects. You know, I ask for pictures to make a book. They send me their, their pictures and I send the book back to them, I think. I love it. I, I find um, the online community and the possibilities that the internet gives um, an open door for for projects and for yeah for spreading the the good word of the positivity of my art. Awesome. 
Uh, thank you both. Thank you, Naira. Thank you, Pantrick. And have a great day. You too. It was a pleasure.